0: blog talk radio
1: hi everyone this is marty mcdermott the president of franchise interviews and i can't start today's show without talking about the iso 1002 you know some people just love to complain but companies have a responsibility to care the international organization for standardization iso has revised iso 1002 the standard for complaint handling this document enables organizations to foster a customer focused environment open the feedback heightening their customer satisfaction. You can get the ISO 1002 standard from the American National Standards Institute, ANSI, the U.S. member body of ISO. Visit ansi.org forward slash complain to learn more. That's ansi.org forward slash complain to learn more.
2: Franchise Interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews, Franchise Interviews. Welcome to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship. Listen to interviews with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys. And now, welcome your host, Marty McDermott, and Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a
1: very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over 13 years now, we've been asking the entrepreneurs one on one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and we have a great show today. Well, we're meeting with Kelsey Stewart, the CEO of Bloomin' Blinds, and Bloomin' Blinds is family-owned and operated since 2001. Bloomin' Blinds is a leading window treatment franchise serving 55 territories nationwide, and is the only window treatment franchise to offer product, installation, repair, and cleaning. We're we'll going to talk to Kelsey about that in just a moment on Franchise Interviews. So stick around because we have a great show.
0: Are you one of those special people who are willing to go after your dreams and goals? Are you ready to fulfill that dream of owning your own business with the security of a proven brand? The opportunity to take control of your future and own a Rita's Italian Ice franchise is within your reach.
3: Rita's is seeking success-oriented individuals who are ready to make a change in their life, and Rita's offers unparalleled training and support to assure your success. And did you know, the frozen treat industry is a recession-proof industry and there are Rita's in 23 states currently with 540 stores open. Rita's Italian Ice has been around for 25 years and is listed as a top performing franchise by the Wall Street Journal.
0: Now here's the really good part. Rita's Italian Ice is a unique and amazing taste treat. It's smoother than a snow cone and it combines ice with real fresh fruit. The real fruit adds dramatically to the taste, and it comes in over 40 flavors. The ice and fruit are mixed on site and made fresh daily, and it is delicious.
3: You'll want to know more about this exciting and successful franchise opportunity. Go to www.ownaritas.com and get all your questions answered. That's www.ownaritas.com to take control of your dreams and future today. You don't want to wait any longer to be a part of this adventure. www.ownaritas.com
4: Hi, this is Connie McDermott, Administrative Assistant for Franchise Interviews, LLC, and you're listening to Franchise Interviews.
2: Franchise Interviews. From Eastern Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews franchise interviews
1: hi everyone welcome back to a very special edition of franchise interviews we're for over 13 years now we've been asking the entrepreneurs one-on-one I'm your host Marty McDermott I'm the president of franchise interviews and as we were saying earlier we have a great show today well, we're meeting with Kelsey Stewart the CEO of bloom and blinds and bloom and blinds is a family owned and operated since 2001 bloom and blinds is a leading window treatment franchise serving 55 territories nationwide Hi, Kelsey. How are you? Welcome to the show.
5: morning, Marty. Appreciate you having me on.
1: Oh, this is my pleasure, Kelsey. We always like to ask our guests, where are you calling from this morning, Kelsey?
5: Uh, I'm just outside of Dallas in Louisville, Texas.
1: Oh, nice. Fantastic. How's the weather there today, Kelsey?
5: Uh, We're getting a break from the heat. It's about 65, (laughs) crystal clear skies, so I'll take it.
1: That's good. That's fantastic. It's you know it's interesting when I was studying your history. I mean, it, it looks like I mean you guys are approaching like this a 20 years now, which is a real milestone for the organization, Kelsey. I thought maybe you know you can chat through the history of Bloom and Blinds. Yeah, absolutely. So Bloom and Blinds itself is kind of the second
5: reiteration of our family's business. Um, in the early 90s, my mom started the exact same model up in Seattle, where we're originally from, mm-hmm. uh, and and ran that up until about two, late 2000, um, moved to Texas after divorce, and mm. started back up. Actually, our first day of incorporation was the morning of 9-11. So wow. it's, it's really easy for us to remember how old we are. Right. Uh, yeah, interesting time to start a business, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah,
3: that's so, fascinating.
5: Uh, once, w- yeah, once uh, once the business got started, it was actually still just mom, kind of as a one-woman show. And within a couple of years, it's, uh, my brothers and I joined on – uh, and ran Bloom and Blinds just as a family business in the Dallas market right. from uh, providing our services. And slowly over time, we started to grow. Um, you know, had to kind of weather that initial recession. Then, uh-huh. uh, you know, 2008, 9, 10 rolled around, had to weather that again. And coming out of those, we always had these these plateau stages of growth. And there was always a common theme of being the company that offered a maintenance on the products, uh, on the load right. coverings after they were sold. And that, that really served us as a piece of our growth that always fueled us or, or really held our hand through the recessions. And wow. we realized we had, something, we had something special. We knew we, we had a differentiator in the Dallas market and didn't find anything similar on the national scale. And so in 2014, uh, actually formed the a Franchise Corporation. Mm-hmm. And first, first franchise went on the ground in 2015. So there was about two and a half years we were running the Dallas office and building the franchise uh, late 2018 ended up um, taking our, our own, you know, I guess corporate store, if you would,
3: mm-hmm. uh, and
5: rolling rolling that into the franchise and, and getting in, individuals in charge of that territory. And uh, so since late 2018, my brothers and I have just been uh, working within the franchise area, building that up and supporting our owners. So it's been a wild That's- ride.
1: Um, yeah, that's terrific, Kelsey. You know, and I've always been curious, Kelsey, because, you know, I studied um, entrepreneurship um, back in 2005 uh, at Fairleigh Dickinson University. And one of the courses that I took was, was family business. And, you know, family business is, is certainly interesting. Does, does Bloom and Blinds being a family organization, I mean, does that – it always seems to me like it's, it's added to the culture of the organization. I'm sure that helps, doesn't it?
5: It's certainly part of everything we do. Um, uh, yeah. ha- my, my parents have always been entrepreneurs, um, primarily owner operators, people with the register kind of thing.
1: Uh right.
5: so being a, being a business owner and an entrepreneur was really just part of our, our upbringing and part of our blood. But I, I have literally been working with my brothers shoulder to shoulder for 16 years. And even now, as we lead the franchise, our three desks are in a triangle facing each other wow. so that we can, so we can run the company and, and advise and, and coach and mentor in what we call kind of a, a spherical aspect, right, right. Um, the three, all three of us have our own different personalities and our, our very distinct ways of looking at the world. Uh, even within the industry, we have our own talents, and so right. it's it's been a really great experience uh, because I, I get to work with my family and I get to work yeah. with my brothers, which you know that's a if it works well, it's a gift,
3: <laughs> right. and.
5: And we've gotten past that. I'd say probably the first five, six, seven years, it you know it took a little time to kind of for everyone to carve out their own space, right? In right. What they were going to be good at. Um, but now it's a it's a great environment, and and I think that really translates all the way through the franchise. When we're when we're talking to new candidates, we're emphasizing that family dynamic because it yeah. is part of our culture, yeah. And it is part of what helps us set up, set ourselves apart from some. From a, uh, from a larger franchise organization that's right you know got 600 employees and you're just part of a cog.
1: How do you describe bloom and blinds to a prospective franchisee Kelsey? because you are unique you know I was studying you know your business model and you're certainly different you know you certainly have like a, a niche out there in the market but when you're talking to someone who's possibly interested in the concept then where do you go from there?
5: One of the first things I like to point out uh, in particular to our franchise is that anyone who's evaluating a business, should be asking the question why does the world need another one right mm-hmm. why do we need another right. janitorial service why do we need another sandwich sure. shop ice cream shop whatever it is and and that maintenance and repair side of our business is really our solid answer to that question
0: uh, 99 yeah.
5: percent of all of all window covering companies only sell new product right and so bloom and blinds has always kind of stood out in that way so part of our description is helping them understand the differentiation and and the answer to that question um, we spend a lot of time talking about the day in the life and what you know, what it looks like, and if you have scaling aspirations, what that you know what's the roadmap to make that happen. Um, we spend a lot of time trying to articulate that it is much more of a cerebral business than it is a right. physical and labor business. That's huh. the, the objection I get the most is that I don't know I don't know that I want to install blinds and I don't know how to repair blinds. Right and I kind of have to help candidates switch their focus because juggling the different manufacturers and the nuances and the customer expectations and and goals, that cerebral process is really the challenging part of this business. It's not the labor side. The labor side is actually
1: relatively easy. It's interesting as you talk about it, Kelsey, because I'm, I'm somebody who has two left hands, you know, I'm so uncoordinated, you know, and I, I we, we, had, we had, we had a, a neighbor, you know, I, I was going to attempt to to put in some blinds myself, but, you know, we had a neighbor actually do it because he was more familiar with it. And I was just, you know, looking at how it's done, but I guess, you know, as you're saying, it's, it's something that can certainly be taught to probably to almost anybody, I imagine, couldn't it?
5: Yes, the right tools and the right knowledge make just yeah. these tasks uh, enjoyable and that's also it, – it's dispelling those myths about right. how hard the work is. It, you know, we use lightweight cordless drills with a magnetic tip nut driver that holds the screw very securely. So that's the wow. image that everyone has, that you've got these screws just flying all over the place and you know, <laughs> slipping out of your hand. <laughs> exactly. And it's just, again, right tools and right knowledge. Those kind of things are, are really not the objection that, that most fear. Uh, it's just an unfamiliarity. This is not a this is not a piece of life that most people experience.
1: And it's true.
5: So yeah. So once you break down the fear factor and help them or, right. understand and articulate that it, it's a doable task, um, then it's it's kind of easy to move and past that. My my conversation is um, often using analogies. And so one of my favorite analogies is if, if you've ever put in a ceiling fan you've already done something technical as the labor side of
1: this business. It, you know, it was great because I was watching um, last week, uh, there was a video with you on YouTube. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, franchising gets like tagged, like, you know, business in a box. And You know, and when I was watching your video, I, I said, wow, I said, this was almost like a business in a box. It wasn't a box, but I I was, remember your bag, you know what I mean? And so basically, you know, look like a computer bag <laughs> yeah. trying to come back in my memory. But I said, wow, I said, this is like truly a business in the box, you know, it was so simple. And then you kind of like walked out to the van. The van. And, and I thought the van was clever too, Kelsey. You know, because that's a that's a moving billboard too. And I remember there was a tagline in there. Was it like blind person driving or something? Something humorous. It was right. it just, it, you know, it's just. It's, and, and I said, well, there's a real culture here to this organization too. They have a sense of humor. You know, it's very organized. I and mean, even the van, when I looked inside of it, how clean it looked. You know, I mean, it just it, it looked very simple. But it really is. I guess we can almost say that this is truly almost like a business in a box or a bag, isn't it? Yeah. And.
5: You know, that video was shot back in 2012, so the business evolved quite a bit before then because now we, you know, that was just a, that was truly an operational vehicle that literally was just at our office and I just opened the back of it, where now everything really does have a system and an organizational place for it. Um, Uh Business in a box has kind of been our goal. Uh, We wanted to try and build the franchise out with technology and software and systems so that the franchise owner can spend their time in revenue generation versus trying to figure out elements on how to run the business, we've tried to automate and simplify the business aspect of it. Because so many of our owners are the first-time business owners uh, wow, at a lower entry point, and as a as a you know kind of an initial man in the truck scenario, right. a lot of our owners haven't spent 20 years running a business and. So the more that we can take that off their plate, the more they can focus on servicing the customers and building their revenues and ultimately a team. We've taken that on as a mission to to really try and simplify the business element of it. And,
1: and it's gone right. a long, long way with the technology pieces that we have. That's amazing. It's nice having the multiple revenue streams too, isn't it, Kelsey? Like that's what I kind of got out of it too. You know, when I was looking at the business model, you know, is, you know, you offer product installation, repair, cleaning, you know, it's it's nice to have those multiple revenue models coming in. You know, it's not, you're not just one thing, you know, it's like cleaning carpets or something like that. And that that certainly adds to the business model as well, doesn't it? It
5: does. And then that usually gets a, you know, a bit of an aha moment as we get to the conversation with the candidate because, most people think of blinds as selling and installing blinds. Right. And then you get this, you know, oh, wait, you guys can fix them and no one else can? And right. that that usually raises an eyebrow. Uh, but then we have the other optional elements so that the blind cleaning, the window washing, the drapery, and the exterior roller shades are four significant revenue streams that we allow franchise owners to add when they're ready. It's an optional component. It's not a requirement. The the required qu- elements are sales, install, and repair, and then the other streams are all optional. But it's really interesting how much our business um, derives from these different things, particularly sales versus repair. Right. When the When the market's hot, you know, in an environment like today, a blind breaks, they just go buy a new house.
1: Right. Exactly. Where,
5: where, <laughs> where, and and right now, rev, uh, repair revenue in 2020 is probably 10 to 15 percent of our business. But it it opens up a lot of doors, and we get extra opportunities. But when we hit, and the two times we've gone through a recession, um, that repair revenue suddenly becomes about 50% of our business. And so our franchise owners and our business model stays busy, stays profitable, and continues to gain new customers when money gets tight. And if if we were one trick pony, if we were were sales only – Right, we would struggle because the the, the buying power of the community is, is dried up a little bit. Right, and the repair tickets are so much smaller, on average, that the consumers can still afford to do the repairs, and they're not going to go out and buy blinds or shades or shutters, you know, left and right.
1: And it's nice because you have that so, repeat customer yeah. factor too, don't you, Kelsey? Which is is great because you know you know blinds blinds break you know from time to time. I, I have a young son, you know, and he's always rough on the blinds, you know what I mean? And I always dread, yeah, you know, if if they break, you know, like what am I going to do now? It's like you said, buy a new house, you know? It's like it it, it, right. it, it it it's crazy, you know. So, but but I I think that's great. And I was thinking too, you know, is, is when that van pulls up, you know, as we were saying earlier, it's like it's this moving billboard, then the neighbors. You know, see that van, of course, and, and I'm sure you, you get inquiries through that as well. So I'm sure that's very helpful, isn't it?
5: The van's been a great tool for us. The, the yeah. one that you referenced in the video was in fact a minivan. We've realized now that, uh, as a true one-man business or as a, as a rolling business, uh, we use the large cargo vans now. Mm-hmm. So the Ford Transit, the Ram ProMaster, the the um, and so the billboards gotten even bigger and more noticeable. So it, yes, the van drives. The van drives a tremendous amount of revenue,
2: uh, yeah. brand
5: awareness, and that little sign on the back that says "caution blind pe- blind person driving" um, <laughs> yep. gets a lot a lot of commentary. I, I imagine it uh, caught my I've attention had,
1: when, when you talked about it. <laughs> yeah, we see people taking pictures of that and laughing at it all the time. That's great. You, you that's a, talk a, at a, that's a fun piece yeah it is a fun piece you, you were mentioning uh earlier, Kelsey you know that a lot of your um your franchisees they are first time uh business owners maybe you could talk a little bit about you know uh, what types of characteristics you know you and, and and your family look for in in taking on new franchisees and maybe even like you know what were some of them doing before becoming franchisees. I understand that sometimes you even have like mm-hmm. a husband and wife kind of team come come on board, which I think is great
5: right so that yeah our primary our primary franchise owner is going to either be that, that one man show uh, Mm -hmm. man or woman, not to be right particular about it or the husband and wife team. And the husband and wife team is great because while, while one spouse is out in the field working with customers, the other spouse can answer the phones. Mm. And that's always a, you know, an issue for a small business is making sure the phones get answered. Um, But our, what we look for in a candidate is, is interestingly evolved over time because when we first started the franchise, we actually brought in a hand, a whole bunch of entrepreneurial-minded people, because that's who we are, and that's who mm-hmm. you know we we didn't know better. Uh, right. That is that is effectively uh, choosing to herd cats for a living. Um, we have a lot of yeah. great people, but but not a lot of people. That early that early group wasn't necessarily the people that were crying for a system or embracing processes and methods and efficiencies. Um, They wanted, they wanted a business idea and then to be left alone. So we have, we've definitely learned over the last five and a half years that um, we, we want somebody with that entrepreneurial spirit, but then yet Mm -hmm. looks at systems and processes as a uh, a tool, not a limiter. So that's a key component. Um, There is, uh, some technical aspect, You, you know, somebody who likes to tinker or puzzle, somebody who naturally just loves problem solving. That's a, there's a, mm-hmm. a lot of re- really interesting problem solving that happens on a daily basis in our business.
0: Um,
5: and then I don't need a carpenter or an ex-mechanic or somebody who's been a master craftsman. What, right. I, what we've learned more than anything is we need a presenter. When, we, appro- when we approach that sales process, we've come to realize that the general public doesn't know anything about window coverings or what makes them tick
1: agreed and yeah. And,
5: yeah, and there's a lot behind it like it's a, it's a it's a smart kids business and yeah. to take a product and then identify the customer's goal or desire and then be able to help educate somebody on you've got a goal and here's the pros and cons of how this product matches those goals. It's not always a perfect fit. Sometimes we have to help them understand the limitations or maybe even educate that there's a different product that may serve that goal better. So what we look for in the personality side before all else is mm-hmm. somebody who likes people, who likes to teach, right. who likes to share information. We don't sell anything. We call it education and taking orders. Mm. Um, we, don't, we don't, air quote, sell anything there's no pitch there's no pressure there's no right. gimmicks and games it's built to be a very transparent very almost factual um and informative process because we can't, when we order these from the factory we can't send them back so right. we need to make sure that when a customer signs on the dotted line that when we put them in, they're matching their expectations. That's the right. only time we have trouble with a customer is when there's an expectation that we didn't satisfy. So it's that it changes the whole notion.
1: Yeah, that- as, as you're describing, Kelsey, it's actually it changes the whole notion. You know, because I've I've sold in the past too. You know, and, and you think about it, you know the best salespeople are, are are problem solvers. You know what I mean? And like you said, it's not a hard sale. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or a hard sell anyway. You know, and 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 I, I, I think that's interesting. And you know, you're we talking earlier is that you know the franchisees are unique kind of entrepreneurs, aren't they, you know, is there's like different types of entrepreneurs and and these are people who certainly, as you said earlier, you know, they have to appreciate that system or that process, don't they, you know, and the brand itself, you know, those are key elements to wanting to get into franchising, isn't it?
5: Yeah. Again, it's the people that see that as a tool for success versus a limitation on the personal freedoms, right? Um, This, this particular franchise still has a ton of personal freedoms, but the things that are critically important, like the van or our uniform or the software mm-hmm. or that that education approach, those are critical elements. And so we mandate and, and really kind of structure the critical elements. But then because they do have that entrepreneurial spirit and they do want to kind of be in business for
1: themselves,
5: you know, what's the old adage, uh, in business for yourself but not by yourself.
1: Right, right. And yeah. –
5: And so we've tried to make an environment where they get the best of both worlds. They get to control their daily go, you know, their daily ins and outs and and they get to control their pricing and they get to control the vendors to some degree. They have to, you know, they have to be approved vendors, but they, there's, there's choices and freedom, but then the critical elements are structurized so that they can be a tool. And it is a blend. Um, we have we have definitely found people on both ends who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one characteristic can't do anything without it being in the operations manual, right. and the other characteristic is I've never opened the operations manual and nor would I ever, right? Um, and then and then there's the happy media, yeah. which is where we are now, and uh, it, it does when it, when the system works right for any good franchise that's built out well and and communicates and has that that great reciprocal interaction between their their family. Uh, family being the franchise family, then it is the best of both worlds. Everyone's stronger because of it, and
1: it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's a win-win, isn't it, Kelsey? For the franchisor, yep. of course, and the franchisee. You know, and I I think that's that's terrific. How does training work, Kelsey? I mean, I guess we could talk about it from you know pre-COVID to COVID. You know, one of the themes since March, you know, is I, I, you know we always ask is you know what's the training like, and that's that answer has changed a lot since since March. But maybe we could talk about you know training from before COVID happened and, and, and to what it's like now. And I guess at some point it's going to go back to the old way again. But maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. So,
5: uh, again, window coverings. There is this um, this m- manual event of either repairing or installing,
0: mm-hmm. and
5: so, and then the actual presentation of the product and and coaching and t- teaching people, you know, the pros and cons of what what to meet meet their goals. Right. So our our training our training class is very hands on. Uh, there's very little time on your butt. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should. That's OK. That on that's good. That's, that's OK. okay.
5: Well, welcome to Bloomin' Blinds. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have an HR department and I'm pretty sure they're going to walk me out the door when we hire them. <laughs> um, <laughs> OK, so we, we we tell everyone, don't bring shiny shoes. Bring your yeah. most comfortable shoes because right. we are literally going to be tearing blinds down and repairing them hands-on. We're going to be installing blinds hands-on. We're right. going to be going through the sales the, the, that sales-slash-education process yes. and, and role-playing our way through it and kind of getting those initial nerves and jitters out while you're here in training versus in front of your customers. Yeah. Um, we have a 3,500-square-foot facility in a warehouse condo complex, so it's not in, mm-hmm. like, a big building. Uh, okay. We're not that big. I don't need some giant office building.
1: Right. But right.
5: we didn't we didn't want our franchise owners to feel like they're learning in a glorified warehouse and then have to go into a residential environment. So we right. took half of we took half of our building and turned it into a house. We literally oh, built wow. a a city code approved house inside of our facility wow. so that franchise owners can come in and they, they're surrounded by a kitchen and a living room and yeah. a dining room table. And they're measuring actual windows with flaws um, it's a it's a very intensive, very um, surprisingly technical training mm-hmm. but it's hands on and we have a clear we have a real consistent track record of after that two weeks of training, franchise owners have the comfortability to go home and begin to use this new craft and new tool. Um, my my favorite analogy about training is it's the equivalent of trying to learn Portuguese in two weeks. <laughs>
1: wow.
0: By the by, by
5: the by the time you're done with the two week training, you know yeah. how to buy a sandwich and find a bathroom.
1: Okay, that's so
5: so we can get you you know to a point where you're operational. But because this is a trade and a craft, until you're in full immersion, that's when you. Um, that's when you begin to pick up your native tongue, and that's when, how you right. get fluent is by right. daily interaction. We stay on and, and are very interactive to help them as their interpreter or, or mentor through that process.
1: Right. Um,
5: interestingly, with COVID, um, you know, COVID hit in March. We had, between March, April, and May, we had eight new franchise owners lined up.
4: And,
0: wow.
5: uh, and so of course that all went on hold while we tried to figure out what this whole thing's gonna look like.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, and so we resumed training in August and we are back to in person training. And um, you know for us the best thing we could do uh well and I'll say COVID has has not been a negative effect for Bloom and Blinds, both on the mm-hmm. retail side and the franchise side. Our business is is incredibly busy, busier now than we were before COVID. That's um, amazing, and and being in Texas, you know, we're a bunch of cowboys. We we right. hug and mouth kiss everybody, so it's, <laughs> we're not afraid of anything down here.
3: That's
5: great. So we have, yeah, we just launched a class of four new owners. I've had, uh, I've got three more coming in October. I've got three more coming in November, and I've already got two more scheduled for des- December. But wow. for us, we we've decided to live our lives. We've decided to continue on being careful and calculated but not um we're not a fear-based family maybe sometimes to a fault and and so we are letting people make their choices if they want masks or gloves or you know whatever we've got sanitizer we've got thermometers we've got daily check-ins but for the most part it feels like normal life around here except for the uptick in volume that's that's a bit that's terrific we have yeah we've decided to live our lives and not let this be a limiter
1: i I think that's wonderful kelsey and i imagine that you know every day i mean of course there's similarities uh, to each day but but there's also probably differences i mean you have a different scenario for each customer i mean maybe you could talk a little bit about like you know what is or if there's such a thing as like a a typical day for a blooming blind franchisee kelsey okay you bet Uh, the the
5: there's there's two elements to our business. There's the job mm-hmm. and the business. Okay. Right? The bulk the bulk of a franchise owner's life is encompassed in the job. Right. You are, you know, you're, answer, you're answering your calls, you're responding to emails, and then you're taking off on the road and you're handling anywhere from 5 to 7, 5 to 8 appointments a day. And so you're mm-hmm. and those appointments are generally going to be one of our three different functions, the install, right. the sales or the repair. And right. so every, it's a blended day, you may have a repair and then a sales call and then an install and then another sales call and then another repair. Uh, the, the talent, uh, and the, and the, whether it be natural or whether it be learned the talent in building this business is being able to shift gears from the job to the business.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And,
5: and, and sometimes you just have to like do it midday or just for 15, 20 minutes. Right. Um, our franchise, our franchise owners don't spend a lot of time marketing because we have automated that process. So from the corporate side, the franchise great. owners, their, their marketing job is to set a, a local budget and answer right. the phones. That's really as much work as they have to put into it.
1: Oh, that's great. Um, so, the,
5: so they're not bogged down in cold calls or prospecting. Uh, we've got the phone ringing within 12 hours of starting the marketing. That's
3: we terrific.
5: We know how to make the phone ring. Um, but the the shift – Generally, into the business mode, um, maybe from an accounting standpoint, you know, pushing all your stuff into QuickBooks. It may mm-hmm. be managing managing customers as products are coming and going, um, and then as volumes increase, then it's you know, how do I staff up and, and continue to scale and grow? Right. But those are those are kind of incremental steps that don't happen on a day to day basis. The bulk of the business is the job. And then, as you hit plateaus or as you hit pivot points, then you take time and focus on the business.
1: That's terrific. And, yeah. Oh, no, I was going to say, Kelsey, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, it, it, the industry, too. I mean, must be huge. You know, I mean, you know, looking out my neighborhood, looking out the window, you know, and it seems like, I mean, everybody, that's it, for the most part, has blind. I mean, it, the, the, I don't know what the numbers are for for your industry, but I, I can only imagine that they're huge. Um, I mean, when we're thinking of blinds, I mean, are, are there numbers on the industry?
5: Yeah, it's it's right around a five billion dollar a year industry.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, That's a big it's a market, bunch. isn't it? There's no yeah
5: yeah no. Everyone's always shocked at the kind of volume that runs through the window covering industry. I mean, our our franchise alone, albeit we are still the smallest of the four franchi- franchises out there, uh-huh. but I mean, we're pushing 1.4 million dollars a month right now, That's and amazing. and it and and we're the, again we're the smallest of the four. Now we're going to catch those guys pretty quickly here, but right. we, you know, there are competitors in my space that do half a billion a year in wow. volume.
1: That's incredible.
5: So it's yeah, there's way more money in this than people would ever imagine. I think if you think about it, every building is a potential customer. Right, um, Especially when, when you're looking at the sales, but then you add in the repair and the maintenance, whether it be cleaning or window washing, then even homes that don't have or that already have window coverings, those still become our customers. Where if it was a sales-only company, when a window gets filled up, they're basically done with that window for the next you know eight to ten years. But Lumen Blinds has the ability to make continued revenue off those windows even once they're covered up.
1: Do you do do you also do businesses as well, Kelsey? I mean, it would be nice, you know. I guess to have both of those streams too, right? As you have businesses, and you know, I was just thinking of just even like residential, like consumers. You know, I'm thinking of the whole United States market. But do you ever have businesses as clients as well?
5: Absolutely. In the commercial space, you really have two.
1: You have two. Um,
5: you have you have two categories. You have right. the small commercial, and then you have then you have the big commercial. You know, the right. Office towers and the giant apartment yes.
1: complexes. Right. The,
5: co- the companies that do the big stuff generally stay in the big stuff because the uh, the amount of organization and yeah. the cash head. that Again, you, know, you got to have a lot of money to float the materials while you wait for yeah. the GC to finish the project. Right. Uh, so we tend to we tend to do more of the smaller scale stuff, mm-hmm. uh, two hundred windows or less. But I have had franchise owners who have done VA hospitals and schools, wow. and giant apartment complexes. But we, there's enough on the residential and small commercial side. Uh, there's enough low-hanging fruit. The margins are better. Yeah. The projects are more manageable. Uh, the payment's immediate. And if you are a, you know, one, two, or three-person office, uh, you can't go do a four-story office tower. You just don't have right. the manpower for it. Right, right. So, yeah, we, tend to, we, we do about 10% commercial, but most of that's on the smaller side. Uh, the rest of it's all residential and there's it's from a marketing standpoint, we can target residential customers so much easier. The commercial sure. commercial is all about who who you know and who's the lowest bidder.
1: Right, right. That makes where sense.
5: Where the residential side is who's the best value for the money.
1: And that's yeah. that's
5: part of where we excel is articulating that we are in a an overall value
1: for a consumer's right. money. That's great. Are there key markets that Bloomin' Blinds is, is, is looking to target, Kelsey? I mean, over the next several years, I mean, the United States is a big place, you know, but are there, it's like, key markets that you're focused on that, you, that you're looking to reach?
5: Yeah, there, there's definitely a couple of markets that make me salivate like Patron's dogs. Um, yeah. No doubt about it. The, uh, you know, we, we have 50, we have 45 owners and 55 territories, depending on how you want to count it. Right. Um, and, and so there's a lot of open space. We have an incredible amount of open room, uh, mm-hmm. but we generally we generally thrive in the suburban markets surrounding large cities. So, uh, you know, Cincinnati or Salt Lake City or right. Seattle or Austin, Texas. You know, it doesn't really matter if it's north or south. We do well right. in, in coastal and Midwest environments. But what we find is our little garden of Eden. Is that single-family suburban environment where mm-hmm. uh, where the, the houses are kept up well? You know, the grass is mowed every week, two weeks. Right. Where people move every four to six years because they're in that kind of corporate mode where they're hopping from back and forth. Uh, that's our core. Uh, if you were to ask for you know top five markets, I'd have the only problems I have a struggle with. Is because there's way more than five, and I wouldn't know how to pick my first five.
1: Right, of course. That's something. So, if you can look into a crystal ball, like maybe three years, five years down the road, Kelsey. I mean, where where do you see Bloom and Blimes?
5: I see us continuing to grow pretty quickly. Now Mm -hmm. we've spent the last five and a half years kind of figuring out how to be a good franchisor. Right. I was a blind guy who started a franchise. Right. And that's that's a little bit of a differentiator because typically in the franchise space, you have, you're talking to a franchise guy who used to work at a different franchise company. Exactly. And so, so being a blind guy, having to learn how to be a franchisor has taken some time, but we have come a really long way in, in getting organized and being able to create a duplicatable system. So this year has been the start of what we expect to be a a pretty strong growth pattern. Um, I expect in the next two years, Probably have about 100 territories. Wow. Uh, two years, so two years following that. So now we're four years down the road. I would expect we'd be closer to maybe 300 lo- 300 territories, 300 uh, locations. That's uh, great. And I think I, I think the way we map out our territories because they're they're bigger than the average franchise territory. Uh, we could probably get. If We sold out the whole U.S. It'd probably be 600 650. But we would right. map out about there. Before we head off into international waters,
1: right? Canada and other places, yeah, yeah. it it, uh-huh. it, it, yep. it makes sense. So you you've been doing this a long time, Carlos. I mean, again, studying. You know, your background, you and you know, your family. I mean, it, it you certainly get tagged entrepreneurs from from everything you've learned up to this point. Because you know, the, I mean, there's there's so much out there. We find that a lot of our listeners. When they're in the beginning stage of looking to buy a franchising, it's sometimes like information overload, you know, because there's like so much out there. From, from everything you've learned up to this point, what advice would you give to our listeners in their quest to buy a franchise? Because I think like the number is like something like this, like 3,500 different systems out there. So it's like, where do you begin? Yeah, there's a lot. What would you say to them? Yeah, I mean, where, h- h- how would you begin the process?
5: I think one of the, the pieces that I see not giving mm-hmm. enough of the emphasis is talking to existing franchise owners.
0: Mm, you know, yeah.
5: Whether you're talking to, to me, you know, the guy that started the whole thing, or you're right. talking to a, you know, a commissioned franchise sales guy, we're all trying to create a story that puts us in the best light. That's natural right. and human behavior. Right. And so what you, by talking to franchise owners, and a lot of them, not just one or two, but a lot of them, you begin yeah. to see consistency and you begin to get a real feel of what life looks like. Um, And you may even learn to think a couple things about what to do and what not to do uh, to propel a business forward. So I think regardless of the industry, that's a piece that gets overlooked quite often. Um, I think that any business owner coming in, especially as a first time business owner needs to have an idea that the the hope and the goal is that Mm -hmm. you work more than you ever have in your life but you will have more fun doing it than you've ever had in your whole life. Right. Right. Um, Someone who wants to start a business because they want to work less has an (laughs) expectation problem.
1: Sure. Yeah.
5: Yeah. (laughs) Let's be honest. I mean, we all want to talk about the glory days of what happens when we're done and retired and sold or whatever it
1: is, but
5: it's a long road to get there.
1: Yeah.
5: And then, and then anyone who's interested in going into business needs to have a gut check. Do they Do they? or can they find the fortitude to build a business and weather the storms that are sure to come no matter what mm-hmm. industry you're in? Right. That's something that I've had to do a lot of coaching on with some of my franchise owners is yeah. understanding that business has ups and downs and right. you have to believe in the greater good. And if you let yourself emotionally react to the moment in front of you versus the overall goal, then you're you're going to lose a lot of hair. You're going to lose a lot right. of sleep in the process. Yes,
1: yeah. yeah.
5: And and so there, there's, an, there's a gut check that needs to be occurred, occurring prior to getting into business. Um, in, in relation to which business, um, there's a phrase in my house right now, especially with the changes in our – I have two young daughters who are in school.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: And instead of dealing with mask or no mask or are we in school or out of school – we right. ended up putting them in a, uh, like a totally private online school. Sure. And now my wife and kids are traveling the country in an RV. Wow. And how we got to that decision, given so many different options in the world, and now they come back every couple weeks, right?
1: Right, but, right.
5: Um, but it was Great. Choose, choose what kind of life you want to live and then make decisions to lead towards that goal. I see. If you know where you want to go, then every decision you make should be one small step in that direction. Right, to that goal. And, That's powerful. And, and that, doesn't really, that really doesn't solve the question is, do I buy a sandwich shop or an ice cream shop or a blind company? Mm-hmm. But, but those different businesses have different lifestyles. They have different right. freedoms. They have different ways of living life that come with running that business. So I think some personal evaluation would probably be well-suited for prospect prospective franchise owners before they start talking to companies. Right. Because if they know what they want and they know what their goals are, it's so much easier for us to help them identify if we fit those
1: parameters. I think it's and, powerful. And, and yeah, uh, franchising an- I was going to say, Kelsey, it's franchising. It sounds like it's, like it's a means to an end, isn't it? You know, to some extent, you know, is, is that franchising it's, it's can get you your to your goal. Yeah, exactly. It, I, think yeah, the business, I, I think that's powerful how you're describing it. I, I think that's great. Business isn't a definition of who you
5: are. It is a thing you do to get you where you want to go. To
1: get you to that point. I th- yeah.
5: Yeah. And I think that, that, I think that gets lost. Everyone gets hung up. Mm-hmm. Oh, and maybe I'm sensitive to this because blinds isn't exactly a sexy object. Um, and, and so I'm trying to help people understand that you don't have to be in love with blinds. Right, if you right. love having a business that fits in a regular lifestyle, if you love you know, low overhead and uh, high profitability, if you love being able to control your schedule, this is a business that fits those personal goals. It's a tool right. that can get you the pieces you want. But people get hung up on what you do every day. And while, yes, you got to love it or right. like it or, you know, whatever, but is, is what you're doing today more important than what you want to do down the road? Yeah. So uh, that's, that's the powerful. piece that I see the most uh, – that's what gets mixed up in this process is everyone's,
1: everyone's focusing
5: on the shiny object in front of them, and they're forgetting right. about what's down the road.
1: Right. Yeah, no, I I, I I think that's very powerful, Kelsey. So, what's the best way, Kelsey, for our listeners to get more information on Bloom and Blinds? Of course, as the franchise, but even as as the service itself, are there any websites you can kind of direct them to? Yeah, Matt, absolutely.
5: There's two main websites, bloomin'blinds.com, and it, Bloomin' okay. is like blooming but no g. Okay. So, BloomandBlinds.com. Um, there's a link to our franchise website there, or you could just go to bloomin'blinds.com and then slash. Franchise. Franchise. And that'll get you a ton of high-level information. It'll also get you my phone number,
1: and then we can have a nice, honest conversation. That's terrific. Well, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed talking to you, Kelsey, and I'd like to even invite you back over the next year or two as you continue to grow because I I, I think this is a, a great concept. I'd love to, Marty. I really appreciate the time and the outreach. This has been my pleasure, Kelsey. And we'll be right back with more Franchise Interviews. Coming up on segment two, you're going to hear what every entrepreneur needs to know before buying a franchise. We're going to play a clip from our popular Great Quotes in Franchising podcast right here on Franchise Interviews.
2: Franchisers, are you looking to reach aspiring entrepreneurs looking to buy a franchise? Are you looking to reach a highly educated audience on franchising? For over eight years, Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship through our website, FranchiseInterviews.com, where you can hear and read interviews as well as get tips from some of the most successful sources in franchising. Our weekly franchise radio show, where each week you get to hear a new interview with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys, and our podcast, Great Quotes in Franchising. For more information, go to FranchiseInterviews.com or call us at 610-905-2919. That's 610-905-2919.
4: Today's great quote in franchising is being brought to you by...
0: Franchise Teacher.
3: Would you like to know how to franchise your concept or grow your franchise business? Simply go to FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032.
0: That's FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032.
1: Hi, everyone, this is Marty McDermott, the president of Franchise Interviews, and welcome to another edition of Great Quotes in Franchising, where each podcast you get to hear a great quote in franchising. You know, we've been hosting franchise interviews many years now, and during that time, we've had some incredible quotes on our show. Today's Great Quote in Franchising podcast comes from Mary Jane Riva, the CEO of Pizza Factory. And Mary Jane gave some great advice. You know, one of the questions we frequently ask on the show when we have someone like Mary Jane is... What advice would you give to our listeners in their quest to buy a franchise? And she said that you should look under the hood. And, you know, I thought her advice was very original, but you have to listen to the podcast to find out why. So here we go with Mary Jane Riva, CEO of Pizza Factory. Buy a franchise. You know, we've been doing the show such a long time now. And and one of the the biggest things we've learned is that, you know, a lot of our listeners – and they're requested by a franchise. They don't know where to begin because, like you were saying earlier, there's so much out there today. You know, I mean, there's just yeah. so much to choose from. Most of them don't even know where to begin. It just becomes overwhelming. Yep. You know, from everything you've learned, you know, up to this point, what advice would you give to our listeners?
4: Well, the first, there's a couple things, and one that, as we're going through this journey ourselves from being a franchisee to the franchisor, it's understanding the roles of the franchisor versus the mm-hmm. franchisee. That's a really big, important, really, what is the role that you're playing versus the franchisor? And then when right. you're looking at brands, the other thing for brands to me is is really looking under the hood. Don't just sure. look at all the stuff on the surface. Really dig down. Uh, see what extra charge is there. You know, are they marking up stuff? You know, really evaluate a brand to a brand and not just the fluff kind of stuff that you see on the top. And it's a lot of due diligence. Right but you know ask ask the questions that are that are going to be once you're in there you know are they marking up the food product are they marking up advertising materials you know what what are you paying so really really dig down and ask um, a lot more questions and right. i would talk to, i would talk to a lot of franchisees that are in the system and see how they feel about the franchisor and the the brand itself i would do a lot of due diligence with franchisees cuz they're the ones that are going to tell you
1: Right, absolutely. I love how you said look under the hood. You know, I, I mentioned doing the show for such a long time. I've never heard that analogy before. I think that's very clever to look under the hood, you know, to go deep, you know, mm-hmm. inside and look what's under, not yeah. just what's on top. You know, we have this great quoted yeah. franchise. And I'm going to put that one in there because uh, I, I, I think that's fantastic. You know, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, Pizza Factory, I mean, you have a lot of franchisees that you can call, right? I mean, I think you're up to, is it over 100 yes. franchisees now, Mary yes. Jane? So there's yeah. plenty of people, We've got some you know, that,
4: that have, Oh, good. oh I'm, I'm sorry. I was going to say we, oh, we okay. have them, they've been in the system for, they've been in the system for 30 years. We have franchisees, you know, they've been in that long and we have them that are just getting on. So there's a wide range. So, and you want to hit all right. those, you know, you want to hit the newbies, you want to hit the older ones, you want to to get their feel of what's been going on and how they've been treated. And, but, but yeah, it's there's a lot of people to call. There's a lot of people to ask. There's a lot of different, Town sizes. So when you're doing mm-hmm. your due diligence, right? You know, really, really, really get out there and, and dig deep.
1: If you'd like to hear that whole interview with Pizza Factory, all you have to do is go to franchiseinterviews.com, go to our franchise interviews by category page, and click on food franchises, and you can hear the whole interview there. Lastly, we'd just like to thank everyone for making this podcast such a huge success. You know, it's hard to imagine when we started this show that our Great Coats and Franchising podcast was going to become just as big as our regular show. So we want to thank everyone again and continue to listen to our Great Coats and Franchising podcast sponsored by Franchise Interviews. Take care, everyone.
2: Franchise Interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews.